thank you for being a part of our church service today. It is our desire at Riverstone Church that God's Word will work in you to produce an abundant field life. To know more about the ministry or to support, visit riverstonechurch.net. May the Lord bless you today as you listen to this message. It is a privilege to be here with you this morning. Um, even though I've been in church for a really long time and taking a, and you know and preaching to people, it's always a very challenging uh, part for me to do. Uh, it's just it's not easy. So, but I believe that God is the one that is uh, God is the one that called me to do it, and because of that, I must be obedient to to His call in my life. So. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for this opportunity. I am humble. I am humble, and I want to be sensible, O God, to what you want to speak to all this morning. I want the name of Jesus to be glorified. I want your people to be edified. So everything that is not of you, I pray that it will be removed this morning. And that you will prepare our hearts and our mind, O oh God, to receive what you have in storage for us. I ask you this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. I was uh, trying to have a good night of sleep last night. And about a month ago, I got a neighbor that moved in next to me and... Uh, they decided to have a party last night. <laughs> and I was trying not to lose my cool. But I got to the point that I was so ready to pray like John and Jane said, Father, just send fire from heaven. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to stop there. But sometimes the devil does the things because he wants you to lose your peace. And he wants to take the best of you and turn it into a chaos. So I really wrestled last night not to, de not to get angry with these people. Uh, last Saturday, I had to do the same thing for them. So I had to change my approach coming tomorrow. Tomorrow, I won't talk to them. I will go to the office and say, there's a problem over here. And it is fixing right away. So because somebody's going to go crazy here. <laughs> Amen. So... Going to, to the Bible, we are in um, Acts chapter 12, and it's very interesting that we have Dan and, Hel Dan and Carmen here, and they work with a persecuted church. And if you have time to speak with them, with them they can tell you thousands of stories of believers being persecuted in the countries where they work. But they will also tell you the power of praying. That we can also tell you how God opened miracles uh, door. How God, you know, delivered people. They can tell you how God saved people. They can tell you how God, you know, has shined the eyes uh, of, 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 of authority in order for Bibles or Christian literature to make it through to the intended uh, places. They can tell you that. So... We are a church that believes in the power of prayer. We are a church that is committed to seek God first. We are a church that is hungry for a move from the Lord. 
And as I thought about this passage, there's so many ways that we can go about this passage. But, you know, God was speaking to me and said, God's way of deliverance is not always the way that I want. It doesn't always happen the way I have planned. So when I was in college, I had my whole life organized. And I said, by the time I'm 24, I will be able to do this, 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 this. And I was 33, and there was nothing happening yet. <laughs> so God has a way to work things out that we can't comprehend a lot of time. Our job as believer is to be faithful to God, to remain prayerful, and to keep on trusting. So, Acts chapter 12, verse 1 through 19 says, It was about this time that King Herod arrested some belonging to the church, intended to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to size Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to guard for four squads of soldiers each. Hero intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison. But listen to this. Peter was kept in prison, but what? But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. And I like the part that say praying to God, not praying to themselves, not praying to an idol, not praying to, 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 to a leader. They were praying to the Heavenly Father. That night before Hero was to bring him, bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries to guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and the light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what, ha what, that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. He opened it for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me. Amen. Hallelujah. From Hero's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this held down on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many had gathered, had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant in Rhodes came to the answer of the door. When she recognized the Peter boy, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his saying for them to be quiet, and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this. 
he said, and then he left for another place. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers, and to what had ha become of Peter. After Hero had thoroughly searched, made for him, and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered them to be executed. May the Lord a blessing to his word. So up to now, the church was in a row. So the church was doing really good. We see that at Pentecost, 3,000 people gave their heart to Jesus. And after that, the church just kept on growing and growing. We see the conversion of one of the most fiercely persecuted of the Christian, Saul. Then after that, we see the centurion giving his heart to Jesus. And then the work among the Gentiles is spreading. So the church is doing really good. But any time that the church is doing good, Satan gets upset. And he wants to stop whatever the Lord is doing. And he will use whatever is at his hand in order to do so. So this is the first political persecution that the church uh, faced. And we know that during this time, the king, Herod, he wasn't a guy that, that really cared for Christianity. He was a guy who didn't really care about the Jewish people. He was a manipulator. He was a true politician and will use whatever was available to him in order to make gains out of that. So by now, Christianity was having uh, some issues because a lot, and out of this was because of misunderstanding. They didn't understand the work of the cross, and they didn't understand why Christians were so emphatic in preaching the gospel, but also reaching beyond their boundaries, reaching the Gentiles, and telling the rest of the nation that the Gentiles were as good as the Jewish people themselves. So to the leaders that were against Christianity, there was, this was something really uh, uh, difficult to understand. So the King Herod, who is Agrippa uh, I, the grandson of Herod the Great, the guy who uh, tried to kill Jesus by ordering all the baby to be killed, and the nephew of Antipas, the guy who had John the Baptist beheaded, he is trying to stop the work of the Lord. And he's done that by what? By persecuting the church. He persecuted the church. He put James to, to the sword. And what it means when he put James to the sword is not that he just stopping. He most likely John, uh, James was beheaded for the sake of the cross. So James right now is uh, fulfilling a promise that Christ made of himself. You know, James and John, the son of CVD, were in the close circle of Jesus Christ. They enjoy Christ's presence more often than the rest of the disciples. And they probably had this idea that because they were so close to Christ, uh, to Jesus, that they might be spared from, from trials or tribulation or persecution. No, no, no. So at one point they came to Jesus, Jesus, can we please uh, when your kingdom come, can my brother and I see one at your right hand and the other one at your, and your left hand? And Jesus says, you guys do not know what you're asking for. Right. You know, because this is not for me to give it away. And then Jesus asked them and said, can you drink from the cup that I drink? Yes, we can. Can you be baptized on the baptism that I'm baptized? And they said, yes, we can. They had no clue what they're saying. So, James drink, drank from the cup, 
And James was baptized with the same baptism that, that Jesus was. God's way of deliverance is not always the way we think that it should be. You know, persecution is not all bad. Brother uh, Johan spoke last, last Sunday and spoke a little bit about persecution. Persecution is not all bad. Persecution gives you the opportunity to shake up, to be shaped up, to grow, to strengthen that relationship. Hudson Taylor said about difficulty, he said, difficulty serve as a platform, you know, to know him better. Because without them, we will never know how tender, faithful, and almighty our God is. He had a rough time. John Wesley, at the age of five, he was almost burned down in his hour he lived because his father disagreed with the Church of England. And later in his life, he was persecuted by mass from town to town. He would chase around with, 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 with clubs and uh, with cleavers and, you know, with stone, with brick. People will pull his hair, his hair. He had all type of uh, difficult relationships, you know, but at the same time, he also trusts God. At one point, the, the, uh, Jake Hanson, who writes about him, he said that he thought that something was wrong with him. For three days, he, he has walked without having any struggle or persecution. So he was riding on a horse. He got out of the horse and went to his knees and said, Father, have I sinned against you? Am I backsliding? And while he was praying, a guy across the street threw a brick at him that missed him by, by this much. He got up, back on his horse, and said, Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Because I know that I'm still in your care. You know, persecution is not always bad. So, so God, God allows some things to happen in order to help us to be refocused. With the church in here, so we know that the, the persecution uh, that was started by Herod was in order for him to make gain, in order for him to, to, to have more control. And because, and because of what he did, he was gaining popularity. So after he killed James, then he saw that this was met with approval. You know, and the Bible said that sometimes those that kill you will think that they're doing something good for God. And the Bible warns about the persecution. If they did it to me, they will certainly do it to you. So he's not content, you know. Someone said, well, if some is good, much is better. More is better. So why not keep on doing it? So I'm gaining popularity right now. So, you know, so he went and arrested Peter. And by the grace of God, there was a feast going on. He said in here there was the feast of living bread. During that time, there was no execution. There was no trial taking place. During this time, there was probably thousands of thousands of pilgrims that came to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast so that the atmosphere was, a, was an atmosphere of festivity, an atmosphere of celebration, an atmosphere of gladness. But Hero had something, all, all, had something else in mind. 
He wanted to, you know, to take advantage of the momentum and have Peter also brought after the, this, this celebration to travel. When you speak about uh, to travel, and not just to say, well, I think you're guilty. We're going to slap you a few times and let you go. He was planning to execute the apostle Peter. God has a way of working things. The question is, do we understand how God works? The question is, are we willing to wait for God to work the way he wants to work? He had Peter guarded by 16 soldiers. Typically, it was enough to have a soldier attached to the that they need just by one wrist. But in this case, he had Peter guarded by two soldiers. One on the left, one on the right. He had two right outside the gate and two inside with Peter. So there were 16 taking a three-hour shift guarding Peter. And when that, that happened, notice that his desire was to bring him out later. So Peter was kept in prison in verse 5, but he said the church was earnestly praying to God for him. I mean, praying really works. One of the greatest guys when it comes to prayer in, the, in, in, in this time was uh, George Mueller. George Mueller was born in Germany. During his teenager's year, he went to study in hell, and after that, he, you know, he, the, the, it says that he was a thief. He was a drunkard. He was a gambler. He was a bad kid. His father used to work for the government, and he used to steal from his father. At the age of 14, his mother died. He was drinking and partying that day. But he was in his 20, he forfeited his father's signature and left the school and went to Switzerland. And while he was in Switzerland, one of his friends said, let's go to a praying meeting. And in this praying meeting, people were singing to God and they were praying, but they were praying on their needs. The person will only pray standing up. And after the, after the praying, somebody came and read a sermon. And the reason why the person read the sermon was because no one that, ha, that, wasn't or, that was not ordained was allowed to preach. So they, they just read the sermon. And he was impacted so much by that, that when he was in his way back with his friend, he said, all the beautiful things that we have seen in Switzerland and all the pleasure that we have enjoyed here are not worth it to be compared to this night. And for the first time, for the first 10 years of his life, he said that he struggled with praying to God because he, he, he couldn't focus his mind good enough. He, you know, and we know that because every time that we're trying to pray, thousands of things come to our mind and we wrestle with them. And we forget that the, that the, that the kitchen, we left the stove on. We forgot that we, the car is running outside. We forgot that we needed to go grocery shopping. And, and so there's a battle in our mind. But he said, but once you learn the importance of praying through the word of God, 
things started to change. And in his journal, he can record more than 50,000 prayers that got answered for him. And he said 30,000 of those were answered on the same day or the same hour that he prayed for. That's over 500 prayers in a year. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. He said, only, only a life of prayer and meditation can make a vessel ready for the master to use. And if you know his study, this guy didn't believe in borrowing anything. And over his lifetime in ministry, he was able to, to raise over half a billion dollars for his ministry in England. He educated about, well, he took in about 10,000 orphans, built 117 schools, and educated over 120 children, 20,000 children, all to the grace of God. Well, guess what? He believed in praying for everything. If there was no food, he prayed. If the uh, heater broke, he prayed. If there was uh, the, the setting didn't work properly, he prayed. He prayed for everything. And one of my favorite um, testimony of him, he said that one day he was about to feed the, the, the children in the uh, in the orphanage, and there was no food. He told the kid, the children, let's pray. And the plate is on the table, but there's no food. And they pray. And suddenly there was a knock on the door. The baker came to his door and said, something told me to, 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 something woke him up in the middle of the night and told me to bake bread for you guys. He broke a lot of bread for them. And then the milk cart broke down the road and said, I'm going to give you the milk so it doesn't spoil. So God knows how to work. The question is, do we know it? So God's way of deliverance is not all way that we, the, the way that we are expecting. So it, Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God. And this earnestly praying is the same connotation as the prayer that Jesus was doing in Gethsemane. He was in anguish, and he was praying so fervently. He said that big drops of sweat, like blood, were, were falling to the ground. So he was, he was stretching out the muscles, stretching, you know, everything that he had was given to the Father at that particular moment. And I can think of some people in the Bible that prayed that way. Hezekiah, when he was told by the Assyrian that he was going to be destroyed, you know, when he was told that he was um, sick, he prayed to God in such a way that there was a passion that couldn't be stopped. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hannah, when she was told that she couldn't have children and she was tired of hearing the person making a mockery of her, she went to the temple of the Lord and she prayed to God until she has no more strength. Daniel chapter 9, when he prayed to the Lord, he prayed to God to forgive his people once he find out about these 70 years of captivity. Pray, be merciful to the people because they have sinned against you. So pray, re, praying really works. Right. Amen. Amen. Can you praise the Lord? Praying really works. So the church believed. And, and, and one of the things that I like right, right here is the church was doing everything that the church could do. The rest was in God's hand. 
God knew God had to intervene. So, and not what is so interesting about this that night before before Hero was to bring him to trial, Peter was what? Sleeping. There is peace amidst the storm. The confidence that he had in the Father. I mean, he had two soldiers holding him right there, you know, and the guy get. Not only he went to sleep, but he was comfortable. <laughs> he was comfortable. Because when the angel intervened, the angel has to do several things for Peter. So he said that he's stroking, and, and some of the writer, um, biblical writers believe that he probably was struck in the reef, violently. Wake up! <laughs> that, that, that was how comfortable he was. You know, the guards are there protecting him, but God is not finished. God is not finished. So the God intervened. And this and says that the light shone in verse seven. And the cell, he struck Peter on the side and said, Walk him up, walking him up. Quick, get up. He said, and the chains fell from Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, Put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you. And follow me. So the guy was vacationing, I would say, probably. <laughs> he has no concern right now. Yeah. But you know, it's when you have the peace of God in your heart, it doesn't matter the storm that is raging outside. The first song that we opened up this morning was, No power will prosper against you. There's no weapon. And declares that we will see what? We will see a victory. We will see a victory. So in a, Peter, Peter, Peter starts taking this action. So in the God's way of deliverance, we see it right here. So the first thing is the church is praying. The church is doing everything that the church should do on behalf of Peter. The second thing is that Peter has to be obedient to the voice of the Lord and start doing what the angels was asking him to do. Get up. He get up. Get dressed. He got dressed. Follow me. And he followed the angel. So how often do we want God to do everything on our behalf without us doing anything? See, God's miracle only works on the things that we can do ourselves. We have to be obedient to God. We have to be obedient to his word. So often we just cross our arm and, oh, well, I'm going to die, you know, and there's a leak on the roof, and if it rains, it's going to wet. But, well, guess what? If you don't go on the roof and fix the roof, it's going to get wet inside. You don't need a miracle for that. <laughs> Are you listening? The same thing is some of the things that we are dealing in our own personal lives. Opening the door to the enemy to areas that we know that we are weak. You don't need a miracle for that. You need to get rid of yourself of the things that, you know, that they're not good for you. 
And then God will work in the area where I can do nothing about it. You're very quiet this morning. <laughs> you know, he, he was obedient to the voice of the angel, even though he had no clue what, is going, what was going on. Put on your clothes, put on your sandal, follow me. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening and thought he was seeing what? A vision. Then they passed the first and the second guard and came to the iron gate leading to the city. So it opened for them by itself and they went through it when they had walked the length of one street. Suddenly the angel left him. So I, I came across a, 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 something neat about the Iron Gate. How often do we worry about the Iron Gates before we go there, we get there? When God can do the things on his right time. You know, Peter could have said, well, I know I'm through, um, I did well through one, I did well through two, but what about the third one? That's the big one. That's iron. It reminds me about the, the women uh, uh, when they were in the, you know, in the way to the tomb of Jesus. But the rock, who will move the stone? And to their surprise, when the women got there, what happened? It's been already moved. But the obedience part, we cannot overlook that. We have to trust the Lord and just walk by faith. So God's way of deliverance is not always the, the way that we want. Notice something in here. God allowed James to be executed, but he chooses to deliver Peter. How did that happen? Well, it was probably times for James to meet his Savior. He has done a good job. He has run a good race. And it was, God was ready for him to come into heaven. But Peter was not done yet. Thank you, Jesus. So God chooses to deliver Peter to keep on doing ministry. So once the angel left Peter, left Peter now Peter had to make a conscious decision. What am I going to do? Where am I going to go? And that's what we are many times. I know that's not good for me, but it makes me feel happy for a little while. So Peter, once Peter was left by the angel, what did he do? He goes to the believers. And what were doing and what were the believers doing? They were praying. And he showed himself to them. And by showing himself to them, he said, God has been merciful to me. God has been good to me. God has shown grace to me. I am well. And it's all because God has intervened. And your prayer really work. Amen. 
So the believers are overjoyed. The believers are glad. The believers are happy because they see that God really cares about his people. Hallelujah. God really cares about his people. So, you know, Peter, Peter had to make some, some, some wise decision. He knew that God had delivered him because Herod's idea was to, uh, to execute him. So he went to the house of Mary and found the people uh, over there praying. And one of the things is that, you know, they said, you know, here you have people that knew how to pray, but had little faith. They knew how to pray, but they had little faith. And it's awesome to, know, to have a little faith when you know that you're praying to a really big God. Hallelujah. That is okay with that. It's all right. Little faith is all right when you know that you have a big God. And we see this in here because the church is praying for Peter's deliverance. And then Peter's knock on the door and this, this woman comes and checks the door. And she says, somebody's knocking at the door and I believe it's Peter. You got to be out of your mind. See, they were praying, but then somehow there was a disconnection between what God is able to do. You must be dreaming. And if you're not dreaming, it got to be his angel. The Jewish people believe that there was an angel for every person. So it got to be Peter's angel that is knocking on the door right now. But I love this because the, the Bible said that Peter kept insisting. So the description of the house in here indicates that it was a really big house. It was so big that the house had a, a, a narrow entrance to it. So the, the, the owner of the house was most likely a very wealthy person. And it was a big house in order to accommodate the praying church, the praying believers. So Rhoda said, you know, Peter is at the door. Well, Rhoda, you probably drank too much coffee last night. Or didn't have enough. No, it's it's amazing the way God can work when we just give ourselves to Him. And it's awesome what we God can do. So you, that's exactly they say. You're out of your mind, verse 15. But she kept insisting that it was see. So you know the easiest way is just easy, saying, You forget about that and come. Let's go keep on praying. Thank Peter, he didn't give up. Gave up. Thanks God, Peter kept on knocking. Thanks God that he was willing to, you know, to, to wait a little longer over there so that he can tell the people of God's awesome work. Peter motioned with his hand when they opened the door and they said, let me tell you a little things about what happened tonight. I was in jail. Yes, I was in jail. I was being Hold, you know, I was, I was shackled. I had sold it to my rent, to my right, and I had sold it to my left. There was no way out, humanly speaking, but I serve a living God who is able for, to deliver me from the clutches of the enemy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And I can tell you that he most likely praised that church last night and told the church, thank you for praying for me. Thank you for believing in a God that is able to do things bigger and greater than we can imagine. Hallelujah. He was probably so excited with the church and said, my goodness, I never thought that I had a, such a wonderful family that cares so much for me. A family that is hungry to see the hand of God moving on behalf of his people. Hallelujah. And I can believe that there were people jumping and rejoicing for God. Miracles work on behalf of his child. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 
You can praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So praying does work. Praying does work. And then we know that he encouraged the brother and he goes someplace else. He doesn't stay in the city because he knows that if he stay in the city, he wouldn't live to tell. So he made a wise decision to leave city, the city until things calm down. Because why? I think that one of the reasons why Peter got, uh, you know, so well guarded is because Peter had a reputation of escaping jail. In Acts chapter 4, he escaped from jail. In Acts chapter 5, he escaped from jail. So the, then King Herod said, my goodness, this guy is going to make a mockery out of me. <laughs> so let me make sure that he's really well guarded. Because things are working really good for me. And they will be even better after I do with him what I'm planning to do to him. But God has something else in mind. God deliver him. And I believe that doesn't matter where you are today. God is able to deliver you. And it might not be the way that you want to be delivered. But he will make a way for you to make it through. So as the musician come over here and sing, I just want to speak the name of Jesus. I want you to, to bow your head. And if you need deliverance from the Lord this morning... We're going to open the altar and the uh, pastoral staff and those who are able to pray will come and pray with you. God is able to deliver you. God is able to work in the area that you can't do it yourself, that you've been trying so hard. God is able to do that. See, when we call the church to pray, we're not calling the church just to come and waste your time over here. We believe in the power of praying. And that's why we are so emphatic about developing a life of devotion to Christ. Pastor Chapel mentioned the, young, the, the pastor in the uh, crow reservation. I was in that conversation and she said, we've been praying. For people to come and help us. And immediately I thought uh, 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 in the book of Acts when the Macedonian guy said, please come and help us. So where are you today? What do you need from the Lord? I'm going to open the altar and you're free to come. And we're going to pray with you and for you. Amen. Thank you. Pastor Chris, you can lead this part, please. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor Noel. I, as he was just describing so accurately Peter's situation where Peter was in chains and the two guards on either side, it looked like no how, no way that anything could change Peter's circumstance. It looks like this was it. This was over. It was final. And sometimes we find ourselves in that situation where we're like, you know what? Maybe God is not going to come through it. Maybe, 
maybe it is over. Maybe this is the way it's always going to be. Maybe this sickness is going to be what I'm stuck with the rest of my life. Maybe uh, this financial or this co- this financial issue or this conflict that's going on in my life or just this confusion that I'm in. Maybe this is it. It looks like just like Peter. There's two guards on each side. I'm bound up in chains. There's just no way God is going to deliver me out of this. It's over. It's finally over. But this story tells us it's not over. You are going to see a victory. You are going to see a victory because, folks, we serve a God that will go. He'll do whatever he has to do to set you free, even if it's to send an angel. If he can't find somebody to do it, God will do whatever it takes to break your chains and set you free. Because you're going to see a victory. You're going to see a victory. So we just want to encourage you this morning. I don't, I mean, it's the Bible. It's not even Pastor Noel. Well, it is Pastor Noel. It's me. But God, Jesus led us to this story this morning. Because today, if you will listen to him, you will hear him say, I am going to set you free. Can we all stand this morning and go to him in prayer? Can you hear him this morning? Do you hear him this morning? He's saying, listen, it's not over. Listen, the Holy Spirit is saying it is not over. It looks like it's over. It looks like you're dead. But it it is not over, says the Lord. I have a plan to set you free because I need you to tell others about me and about how I am the God forgives sins and I am the God who is greater than anything else in this world and I am the God who will set you free will you believe this morning with us today Will you believe this morning? These altars are open if you want to come forward and you're tired of living in your circumstance. You're tired of living in your prison and you're saying, Pastor Chris, Pastor Noel, I am ready to be set free today. And you want to step out in victory and you want to sing, I'm going to see a victory today. We want to invite you to come forward. We want to pray with you today and we want to enjoy this great deliverance that God is going to do in your life. Come on, I'm going to see a victory. Say it with me. I'm going to see a victory. You got a church like uh, you got a church like Peter's church that's praying for a victory over your life. Start praying for people you know. Start praying for people you know right now that need a victory in their life. Start believing right now for those who are in who are bound up. Start believing like Rhoda and start praying for God to set them free. Don't don't believe their circumstances is final. Believe like Rhoda's church this morning, like Peter's church, and believe in a victory. Come on, church. Start praying for those who are bound in chains that you know of. Start believing in a victory. It's not final. It's not over. God is going to set them free. Come on, church. Pray. 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 Thank you for being a part of Riverstone Church. I hope today's message encouraged you to take a step closer to Christ. If there is anything we can pray for or talk with you about, please visit our website at riverstonechurch.net. May the Lord bless you this week and may you walk in all of His promises and plans for your life.